I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Jeanette. There you go. Okay, great. Hi, everybody. It's Jeanette Jifkins and Sarah Lindsay from Onyx Legal. And what we're talking about today is joint ventures. Now, the reason we're talking about this is Ash Roy suggested he had a lot of questions in this area last week and he's not here this week, um, but that's okay. Uh, so joint ventures, a joint venture traditionally have happened in areas like property development and mining and that kind of thing. Now, they're large-scale joint ventures. It doesn't mean you can't do small-scale joint ventures. And a joint venture is very similar to something we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which was revenue share deals. Um, the purpose of a joint venture is that it is for it is always for a fixed purpose. So you might have your business happening and someone else has their business happening. So for example, um, Andrew has got um, website hosting that he can work with someone to make available. Your core business might be what Phil's doing, graphic design. Um if you're or what Dennis is doing, website development. So if you've got web development, for example, you might joint venture with Andrew so that he does the background um, hosting for you and you do the web dev. So you're adding an extra product and making it available for your clients, but you don't have to have responsibility for that. And what happens with the joint venture is you work out who pays what costs and who gets what revenue from that service. Um, it's usually a bolt-on or a part of your business or a side project or something like that. It's not the whole focus of your business. Where we've had clients in the past who want to create a new business together, but they want to find their feet first, so they don't necessarily want to set up a whole structure, a company or something like that, what we recommend is a joint venture because you can have an unincorporated joint venture so you don't have to create any sort of entity between two parties and then it's based on contract. So in the contract, what we look at is who the two parties are or more, you can have more than two parties in a joint venture and what their roles and responsibilities are. So we look at, so for example, with this um, web hosting and web development side of things, you've got a web developer who's going to join a joint venture with a host hosting provider to ensure that their clients have access to hosting. Now, in that agreement, the hosting provider, that's all they're responsible for. They're not responsible for doing anything else with the clients. The web dev looks after everything else to do with the clients. Um, and it may be that... Uh, there's an ability for cross-referrals to each other's businesses, but what you're doing is expanding your business a little bit by adding a project to it. Um, we've got some clients who are working toward, they're in the web dev space, but what they're doing is they're working toward buying um, and flipping websites. So what they want to do is buy websites that they can see can be improved and create more revenue. Um, they have different skill sets. So one of them is a copywriter, one of them's a graphic designer, another one's really good on the background tech. The three of them are working together in a joint venture and their idea is to acquire and grow a number of businesses 
or online businesses. And if they can get them to $20,000 turnover a month in the next 12 months, then they're going to incorporate that as a company and they'll set it up as a business and they'll keep running that way. In the meantime, while there's no revenue in this startup, they're still running their own businesses in the background. And there's no competition because they all work in different niches. So they're coming together for the purpose of collaborating where each of them have different skills and abilities. And, you know, instead of one plus one equals two, it's one plus one equals 10 because there's um, an exponential growth in what they have the ability to offer. Now, that particular group of people are now about two or three months into that project Um, So it's about time we checked in with them to see how it's going. And their objective is that in 12 months, if they've got that or if they're heading toward that. So we put triggers in a joint venture agreement because it's for a specific purpose. So at the end of 12 months, the trigger is they review and they decide to either roll it over for another 12 months, kill it or change it in some way. Um, so there's there's triggers in there to ensure that it doesn't just trickle along indefinitely. Um, something happens to ensure that it either becomes a business or it stops being anything at all. Um, now, it has the sort of joint venture um, setup has a different kind of focus to the revenue share because the revenue share has a mu- much longer term sort of perspective to it um, when you set it up because that's the intention and the way the parties are working together. So they're different types of structures. Now, a joint venture, because it's contract-based, it has to be documented. Um, It can be between two individuals. It can be between a company and an individual. It can be between trusts. It can be between any legal entities that you have. You don't have to have a particular structure to form a joint venture. It does have to be documented carefully because you don't want to turn it into a partnership. So a partnership is something very different and there are liabilities in a partnership that in a joint venture you don't want to attract. So you don't want to be 100% responsible for what the other party in a joint venture does um, toward that joint venture if you don't know what's going on. You know, you want each person to maintain separate responsibility for their actions. You want to ensure that the bank account for a joint venture is managed by all parties involved in the joint venture, that it's separate from the existing bank accounts of the parties. Um, You might have shared access. So, for example, with um, a joint venture between a web dev and hosting, um, in that situation, you're actually using um, Andrew's resources as part of the joint venture because that's what he's got set up. But he might have a discrete account or, um, um, you know, some sort of part of his business which is allocated to that joint venture only and not or separate server, whatever it is, um, for the joint venture rather than it commingling with the rest of his business. Because then at the end of the joint venture, you can determine what each party does with the clients. Um, so joint ventures that haven't worked in the past. I saw a joint venture which was between a web developer and a clairvoyant. The clairvoyant had the knowledge base and all of the information to put on the website. The web dev 
had the ability to build out everything for them. The way the joint venture was written was very loose and all in favour of the clairvoyant. Um, And after 12 months, the clairvoyant decided things weren't working well enough and wanted to end the joint venture. And the web deb's going, but I put all this time, effort and money into it and I'm not getting anything back and you're taking all the income. How is that fair? Well, they didn't get their joint venture agreement reviewed in the first place. Um, so we just had to run with what was there and the web developer walked away without anything. And the clairvoyant didn't see that coming. <laughs> well, sounds to me like they did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I never dealt with clairvoyant. Um, um, yes. So, you know, when you set up a joint venture, it's very important to document what happens at the end, who gets what, how it gets worked out, who wears what costs and so on. Um, there are joint ventures that we've seen where you have a money partner, so someone who puts money into it. Um, we put very clear specifications around what happens to the money if the joint venture comes to an end. So if someone invests $50,000 into your business um, and you decide the joint venture is not working in 12 months' time, then the agreement might say well, you've got to repay either all or a portion of that $50,000 that was invested um, because, you know, that's the extent of the risk the parties take when they go into it or that kind of thing. Um, so there's lots there's lots of flexibility around a joint venture agreement. You can just about write anything you want to into it, provided it's legal to do so. Um, and that gives you a lot of flexibility. So it's a great opportunity when people are thinking about potentially going into business together to try before you buy, basically, um, and then have a clear trigger for when that decision point has to happen as to whether, yes, we're going to make a go of this or no, it's just not working. And it's interesting when we do do that for businesses because that sort of drop dead date is there, people you know, genuinely make an effort to make things work um, so that when that drop dead date comes, they can genuinely say, hey, yes, it's working. No, it's not. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how that's sort of the overview of the way it works. And then every joint venture that we help people set up is different depending on who's doing what, um, what the uh, – expectations of the parties are, are what the end result is there's a lot of joint ventures that are for a specific purpose so for example um, people might joint venture to do an event so they joint venture they put together the event they take away the profits out of the event that's the end of the joint venture done dusted complete um, those sort of things so yeah lots of different ways of doing things Excellent. Just shows the thing you've really got to be careful about. One of the things I always learnt was that if so, the closer the person is to me, where I think we have trust and everything else, the more advisable it is to make sure you've got a contract, the structure and that put in place because otherwise you can end up losing that friendship through misunderstandings. I th- Absolutely. I think, I think that's been a very common thing where, oh, yeah, he's me mate, I trust him and, you know. Hmm. All, okay. goes, all goes down the toilet. And, yeah. Okay. Well, why do I feel that everybody's pointing a finger at me here? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just mate, you're just paranoid. That's all it is. But uh, okay. Well, Faith's got a question. But anybody else has a question, put your your um, virtual hand up, and we can make sure that you don't get missed out. Faith. Um, I was just wondering, uh, what about white labeling? 
So white labeling is a, it is a kind of a joint venture arrangement and it's essentially around um, IP licensing. So it, it's a similar sort of setup to a joint venture, I guess, but it tends to be um, more long-term and the organization that you're getting the product or service from that's going to be white labeled um, it's less obvious that they're involved. And often in a white labeling environment, you're taking 100% responsibility for whatever you're providing to your clients. Whereas in a joint venture, um, depending on how it's structured and who has what responsibilities, there might be joint responsibility. Excellent. Thank uh, you. Well, thanks very much for that. Uh, Jay, you want to hit the stop button?